All right. We've been through every opening we have here on the hardwood huddle. But it is, <laughs> I'm Randy Celia, along with the Lord Vader himself. He is our his Millennium. I, I, I was just pressing every button. It was, it was it, I couldn't help myself. I was like, oh, we haven't seen that one in a while. Uh, I'm Zelia, along with the master himself, Bill Ingram. The I guess you know what? There's always been one professor in the NBA, but I think um or no, there was always Dr. Jack Ramsey. But I think Bill, you might be the professor of the NBA. I think I think we can label you the professor. I think we can do that now. I I I feel confident in our ability to name you the professor. I start to feel that way, especially when I, every time I see Bill Simmons getting recognition as the basketball guy and everything that comes out of his mouth is like, have you ever watched the NBA? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. He, he, went to an, he went to an NBA game one time. <laughs> that one where Victor Oladipo looked really good. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, you know, he's sitting there saying, watch out for that Dwayne Wade this year. Uh, yeah. Hey, Bill, Dwayne retired a couple of years ago. What, what are you talking about, Bill? Um, so well, it's it's who you know, not what you know. <laughs> the hardwood huddle powered by backsportspage.com. Check us out at backsportspage on Twitter. Bill's on Twitter, as you can see on the screen at the rocket guy. I'm at Randy BSP. And guys, the NBA season training camp is upon us. And there it is right there. As Bill's noticing, look, look, it's uh, I'm already there too. Look, that's me. That's me. I, of course, I was like, hey, yeah. look at me over here. Woo. Um, look, the NBA season training camp. Media days are done. Training camp starting. And now the, now the fun begins if you're an NBA fan because now you can start doing all the talking about and figuring out who's going to do what. And, uh, you know, Bill, you and I were discussing a little bit of the Houston Rockets the other day. And now it's time to start talking about the Eastern Conference. And, man, is the Eastern Conference stacked this year. And I'm really, really, really excited about it. Um, First off, just for Kyrie Irving and the pure entertainment of everything that's going to come out of his mouth, that's what I'm looking for this year. Like, my God, he starts off media day with, please respect my privacy as we work all this out. Okay. <laughs> we will get to this in a, in, in a, in a little while. Earth, what, what's the big dilemma this year? <laughs> if there, I, you know what? Everyone keeps calling LeBron James a very polarizing figure, and he is. But, man, can we put Kyrie Irving in the conversation for most polarizing figure in the NBA? Because it seems like he's a lightning rod. He says hello. We talk about him not saying hi. We talk about him saying hello. Everything is a conversation with Kyrie Irving. And I got to tell you something. For a guy who's not even in the top five of best players in the league, I don't know if we should be having these types of conversations about him. Well, uh, as we all know, Kyrie Irving could sit out most of the season and the Nets would be just fine because it's not about him. It's really about KD and James Harden. And if those two guys are healthy, it doesn't matter who's playing point guard or who's playing what. I mean, really, Harden's going to play point guard anyway. Uh, it doesn't really matter who else is on the court um, because those two guys are going to take all the defensive attention and they're going to put up all the shots and they're going to make them despite the defense. And if you got a couple guys who can rebound, you're going to be good. If Kyrie were actually to contribute, um, you know, the worst case scenario for Brooklyn is for one of those two guys to go down, Harden or Kevin Durant. Like last season. Yeah. Like last season, they both went down and they both went down at bad times. Um, but that's when you would need Kyrie to step up. Can you count on that? 
No. Can you say it won't happen? No. <laughs> you just don't know with Kyrie. But I do think, you know, we have, uh, we live in an era, a culture that has decided that every little thing that everyone says should be analyzed and microanalyzed and taken out of context and turned into a headline if we can do that. And I think Kyrie too much opens him up to those, he plays into that unwittingly. Um, and, you know, he's victimized by it and the Nets will be victimized by it. It'll be something that happens throughout the season. Um, unlike LeBron, LeBron was a total moron when he came into the league. He's become a spokesman for the league. When I think when Kobe died, LeBron really stepped up and became a, a more mature voice of the league that he had never been before. And you would hope that Kyrie could have that same sort of realization, that same sort of uh, awakening or, or return, as it were, from the guy he was with Duke and when he first came in the NBA. But the media is relentless. It's going to be. It's going to harp on every little thing you do or say wrong. And Kyrie's not very good at not saying things wrong. Yeah, he's again. Kyrie Irving is a lightning bolt, and not exactly a good one. And I think that's and that's something the Nets really have to. And this is where I hate to say this, but because it's it's sort of playing a blanket on the NBA and the Players Association, but the Nets, the Players Association, and the league. So sort of just help out here and maybe just don't let the guy do media. Look, I can't look how many times has Tim Duncan not done media? He barely did media. It was a shock when you ever got to talk. I was in so many locker rooms during the Tim, so many, you know, both home and away games for San Antonio. I was in San Antonio a hell of a lot during the Tim Duncan era and saw them here in Dallas all the time in Houston all the time. I even saw him in Charlotte a couple of times and, Pop would always be like, what, what are you doing here? Aren't you supposed to be in Texas? <laughs> it just happened that way. And you, and no, you didn't talk to Tim. The Spurs paid the fine. There's a fine every time. I forget what it is, $10,000. There's a significant fine when a player is not available to the media and they normally find the player, but the Spurs paid it every game uh, for Tim. And hey, if you're Tim Duncan and you're bringing that team a championship every other year and you're the greatest power forward of all time, you know, the team will take care of you. And I agree. There should be certain situations where the league says it's not good for the league. It's not good for the team because Kyrie is going to be treated the way he's going to be treated because he says the kinds of things he says. Let's just put a kibosh on that and say, no, go talk to KD. KD's great. Go talk to Harden. He's pretty good. You know, you've got, you've got all-star spokesmen for the team who will talk every game and none of them are going to make the team look stupid. <laughs> so Fair. Oh, I agree. Well, the, my thing is, you know, <laughs> there he is. Kyrie, is he talking too much? Yes. I think is I think he just really needs to shut up. I, I hate to say it like that. Hello. He really needs to shut up at this point in time. Yeah. I, you know, if, and eventually, and like again, when does when did the net step step in? I'll put him on blast. I'm okay with doing it. When does Aaron Harris step in? When does Eli step in? Where does when does the NBA step in? The NBA likes it because it's gonna it's attention and they're gonna be able to talk. Uh, you know they're they're competing with baseball right now. They're competing with football for headlines. So if it's Kyrie Irving is gonna be talking, all right, so let's talk about our our guys. Meanwhile, the Nets are just like, can we not have a circus? It's gonna be a big enough circus as it is. Um, for on, on the court, you know, New York right now has a mandate saying that if you're you're you have to be uh, you have to be vaccinated 
to be able to participate. They're asking all their athletes to be vaccinated in the city of New York. So right now, if Kyrie doesn't get vaccinated, not only can he not practice with the team, but he can't play in the game, the home games. He can only do away games. So I don't know how that handles team morale. I don't know how good of an idea is that. Um, I think this conversation, this part of the conversation brings up a whole nother issue around the NBA with guys like Bradley Beal and Andrew Wiggins who don't want to get tested or not tested. They don't want to get uh, vaccinated. So it, it's, it's a major, major problem. But from a Nets perspective, James Harden was that team MVP last year up until the playoffs. I know you look at the playoffs, Kevin Durant was the man yep. last in the playoffs. But James Harden kept that team together during the regular season. And James Harden played like an MVP. I know you don't like him for the way he handled himself in Houston, but you have to give him credit for the way he handled himself in Brooklyn. And once he got there, he played. I think he had to. He had to be on his best behavior. Now, the key to me, and if they would have had him last year in the playoffs, and I'm not talking about James Harden at full health, and I'm not even talking about Kyrie Irving at full health. If they would have had LaMarcus Aldridge on the court last year during the playoffs, it wouldn't even have gone seven games. It would have gone in five because LaMarcus Aldridge can really contribute to this team in the post. He does not need to be a 25-point-per-game scorer. He doesn't need to be an 18-point-per-game scorer. Nope. He need to get 12 to 13 points out of him a night and about 10 boards. And him and Blake Griffin on the court together with the other three. Yep. We talk, we talk about 2K, but that team right there is a team where you can't double anybody. That's right. It's all about having the right players in the right situations. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge in, in San Antonio was in the wrong spot as much as they envisioned him for being, uh, you know, the next star player of the team. And they wanted him to be that, but he wasn't ready. And he didn't respond to Greg Popovich's style of, feedback shall we say um the way that everyone hoped he would and it didn't work out but if you could put him on a team and he's talking about maybe coming back you kind of hate to see that because of the heart situation being life-threatening but that situation was great for him because there were there would have been no expectations go out there and get some rebounds get a put back here and there make a jump shot that's fine. That's all we need you to do. In San Antonio, they needed him to score 25 to 30 points a game. They needed 10 to 15 rebounds a game. And I don't know why he did it in Portland. He was great in Portland. In in San Antonio, he just couldn't do it. But yeah, that's right. Brooklyn, perfect scenario for him. Hey, get Kevin Love there. Well, the fact of the matter is, you know, and as you see the question on the screen, Griffin, Aldridge, Durant, Harden, and Irving, can a 2K lineup really work? Look, the fact of the matter is you, what you got out of Blake Griffin last year was pretty amazing compared to uh, the situation he was in. Now I ask you, Bill, after a full offseason of being healthy, can Blake Griffin really participate and be a, a member of this Nets team, contribute, and win a championship? Like Blake Griffin was a positive story coming out of Brooklyn last year. I know the attention was on the other three, but Blake Griffin – being able to put his ego at the, at the door, not being a 25-point-per-game scorer and having the attention on him, he was the ultimate team player for Brooklyn last year. He was, and I, I don't think, um, you know, I knew Blake Griffin right from the start, got to hang around him uh, not only at the draft but during summer league in Vegas. You couldn't find a more humble, I mean, dude just, I don't think he has an ego, honestly. 
And when you have a guy who has that kind of talent and doesn't have an ego and says, hey, walks in the locker room and says, hey, what do you need me to do? <laughs> That's what yeah. you need. When you have KD and James Harden or you have LeBron and Russell Westbrook, for that matter, when you have two guys who are going to do the lion's share of the work on the offensive end, the guys who are going to fit are the ones who come in and say, all right, I'm here to help. What would you like me to do? What do you need me to do? And Blake Griffin is a guy that if one of those two goes down, can pick up some of the scoring. If they're both healthy, he's also content to put up eight or 10 points and just rebound and, and do little things, play some defense. And those are the guys that make teams like that work. If the Nets, if a super team is going to be a championship team, uh, and there's a difference, as we've seen, you've got to have a number of these guys who are capable of doing a lot, but satisfied with doing a little. So I... I love the way Blake Griffin uh, came in and impacted that team. And I think he'll be super crucial if they're going to make a playoff run. We've said it's the East. It's tougher. It's not a given. But if they are going to, Blake Griffin will be a key part of the reason why. And like we just said, too, Lamarcus Aldridge, if he can fit in there, too, it gives you a post score in which they didn't have last season. And I think that really is the key is uh, not just with the Nets, but around the NBA, there's not a lot of post scoring in the NBA. Everything is 18 to 20 foot jump shots. Layups are layups and dunks are an, an, an anomaly now. You know, it's, it's just, it's not Thank there. <laughs> well, the simple fact of the matter is if I had to put a win total out of an 82 game season on the Nets, I think they're winning 50 to 52 games this year. I think, you know, you can make an argument for maybe 55, it comes down to health. Well, I think it comes down to health, and and it's also the the rest of the East. You know, the West has has sort of taken a step down, but the East, you've got two teams in Chicago and Miami, in particular, who are vastly better. Should be on paper, their summers would dictate they are vastly better than last year. Brooklyn, how are they better? They're going to be good. They were good last year. Eastern Conference finalists. What did they do over the summer to get better? They hope, this is what they did, they hope. <laughs> they hope that KD and Harden are healthy and they hope that Kyrie doesn't pull a Kyrie. They hope he just doesn't disappear. Um, and they hope Blake Griffin stays healthy. But you've seen the level of competition step up to the point that winning 52 games in the East is an accomplishment. Whereas maybe a year ago, and certainly two years ago, maybe saying the Nets would win 65 games is not out of the question. I think you're right. 52, 55, that range right there would be a darn impressive year for them. Well, you see the teams I put on the screen here. You have the Brooklyn Nets, who we've been talking about. The Miami Heat, Milwaukee Bucks, Philadelphia 76ers, the Boston Celtics. I think right there are your five, your top five teams, top five teams in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I, I really do. I really do from the believe that from the bottom of my heart. I really believe that, and it's not in that order. I think I think you put Boston at five. I think that's your solid five right there. Um, and then you can make an argument for the final three picks. The final three teams. Oh, I'm sorry. We left that in a team. I apologize. <laughs> no. <laughs> let's let's throw the uh six team in there. And now we can honestly say that this is up in the air. I, and I and I apologize for that. So now, those are the top six teams in the Eastern Conference, not in that order. Yeah, okay. I brought everybody back, and they're a young team, and everybody's a year better. 
Uh, yeah, but but there's the target on them. There is that that not coming out to surprise anybody feeling that the Knicks and the Hawks are going to feel this year because both teams came out of nowhere. Right. Well, I don't, you and I talked about Atlanta a lot last offseason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, you and I look like geniuses. We can go back to those recordings now. Took them a, a coaching change to make it happen. But the minute they got a real head coach, well, I mean, a better, more experienced, <laughs> Nolan, uh, not to put down Lloyd Pierce, but Nick McMillan is an, a next level coach. And the moment he took over, that team was like, yeah, you and I were going, this is the Hawks we've been seeing. This is what we were waiting for. So, well, yeah. That, that team won the offseason last year. We did. Yeah. Miami won it this year with a 1A being Chicago. But, uh, hey, we saw some things out of Atlanta that you think if John Collins steps up now that he has that fresh, new, overpaid, bloated contract and takes another step as a player, uh, we already know who Clint Capella is. If some of those guys, uh, you know, you've got the second best maybe point guard in the league. If those guys step up, Atlanta could make some noise too. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, defending NBA champions. Biggest loss for them during the offseason is P.J. Tucker, anchor of their defense. No question. Uh, what do you think for them? Did they do anything really spectacular? They're just bringing, the, bringing their team back with the exception of P.J.? Well, that's it. You know, maybe, maybe the calculus is that we saw the Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo, we saw him take a huge step in the finals. He emerged as Batman, as we like to talk about players. You're either the franchise guy, Batman, or you're not Batman, Batman yet. Not Batman yet. He he really needs to develop that mid-range jumper. He really does. Batman in the finals is what I'm saying. Okay. okay I'll go with it. When game one kicks off, has he added that mid-range game? Has he what has he added? The great players, you know, Elijah Wan reinvented some part of his game every year. Even after they'd win a championship, he'd come back. There'd be something else to his game. I agree Kobe, with you. Same thing. Kobe would add something to his game. Even Harden would add something. Uh, Tim Duncan, you know, the, the great players come back from an offseason. They didn't sit on their laurels no matter what their success was from the year before. There's always something else to add to your game. There's always somewhere you can improve. Now, has he done that? If Antetokounmpo has done that, does that make up for the absence of PJ Tucker? That seems to be what they're counting on. And, and uh, you know, it, it's tough to guys make their name in a, in a finals and then they get a big offer to go somewhere and they leave and you've got to compensate for that. So, you know, I don't know, but I do think by not adding something, you just have a subtraction. I think Milwaukee underestimated how difficult it's going to be to repeat you know, winning a back-to-back -back championship is incredibly difficult, and I yeah. maybe they, maybe management underappreciated that. I, I think they did, and you know, Brooke Lopez was certainly a contributor last year during the NBA Finals. He was he mm -hmm. didn't take over a game, but there was times. One of the things I, I love about Brooke is the same thing I hate about it is he's such a hard worker and he developed a really nice jump shot. Um, so you know, but the thing is, I don't want my seven footer out there shooting three pointers. I want him in the paint, grabbing rebounds, putting it right back in. He's going to average 30 and 10 in this in this NBA, but he is continuously more interested in shooting three-pointers. He thinks that's going to you know extend out his career. So the that's Milwaukee Bucks. With uh, Christophs Porzingis, honestly, it's the same thing. Dude, you're too big to be staying. I mean, I'm that's great. You can shoot a three. That's wonderful. That's impressive. I'm so happy for you. Maybe you can be in the three-point contest. Look, if you want to win a playoff series, get your ass in the paint. Yeah. 
yeah. And I say the same thing about Joel Embiid all the time. You and I, oh, have the, uh, uh, you know, forget the point line. Just for just pretend it's not there. Yeah. Well, now, the problem but, is if you'd like him to find it and be like, oh, I should be able to shoot the ball from out there. But Embiid, no, I don't want him anywhere near that line. Well, the thing is, though, if Embiid doesn't shoot three-pointers, he's going to be out for the season because every time he goes into the paint, he gets hurt, and he's out for six to eight months, and we never see him again. True. So, True. okay, so now let's let's jump from Milwaukee and talk about uh, – let's, uh, let's go to the Boston Celtics. Um, Glenn Stevens, I, I think, was tired of the battle, and I think his voice – yeah, I think his voice uh, grew tired on Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart, the core of that team. He he took Danny Ainge's role, and you know, listen, Danny's like, listen, I'm tired of you guys giving me heart attacks. I'm I'm I can't deal with it anymore. Yeah, and so Glenn Stevens takes his job, right. and now that I I, right. I don't look at Boston as a favorite at all. No, completely not. But but I, I they, they are a playoff team. What's their path to the finals? Where where, where did they improve? They weren't good enough last year. They where got they, they well bringing Al Horford back maybe a, a little that, leadership. That could be if Al Horford, you know, he's towards the end of his career. If he can compete and give him an inside presence, that's what they were missing. They lose Tice, of course. He was uh, a good young player for them in the middle. He's in Houston now. Uh, is Al Horford, can he be that piece? Can he give you the inside presence? If he can, Boston's better than we think. Uh, we know he's a veteran presence. We know, you know, he's always been phenomenal as a veteran in the locker room, working with young players. Um, maybe that, but that's not the piece that you go, oh man, nope, they got Al Horford. That's it, man. They're in. It's not like, well, but, but you know what, though? He might be the glue. <laughs> he might be the glue to bring that thing back together because you know he he was a great locker room guy. Yeah. So you know I I can't immediately immediately when he when he was gone they, it was clear man what they're really missing is Al Horford. Well yeah but but you know what though it's having a guy a thirty five year old guy who's been through it mm -hmm. you know not that Al Horford, listen Al Horford hasn't won a championship for him to come out and say well, he's won something is <laughs> is is wrong but he's been he's a former all-star in Atlanta he's yeah. been through losing he's been through rebuilding yeah. yeah he's he went he went Glenn so listen when we go to, when we make the lottery next year the first thing we do is we sell Jason Tatum and he wants to go play with LeBron anyway so it's okay <laughs> so with with that being said so, so I can honestly think out of these six teams Boston slides right into the sixth spot. Yeah. I think, I, but I think of the rest of the teams. Tell me what's going to happen with Philly, though. Well, does Simmons show up and play well, or do they wind up getting nothing for him or scraps for him? Do they get John Wall for him? Do they get a package of picks from Minnesota? The the stuff that's being rumored right now is not exactly transformative for that team, and if you lose him. You've you've lost an all star, a, a defensive presence, an, an immense defensive presence, for all of the detractors he gives you on the offensive end and being a bonehead in the locker room. Well, that's that's what I was going to say. Like that team had tremendous chemistry last year, and I also think between Milwaukee figuring themselves out during the regular season and Brooklyn 
fighting through all these injuries and everything else being people out of the lineup, Philadelphia sort of snuck into that number one seed, but they didn't, they didn't really look impressive last year. I, I can't say that they were a dominant team. They just beat the teams that were on that schedule. And now that these, some of these other teams are getting better and getting healthy, Philadelphia sort of slides to me in that four spot. Yeah, or, or, or five or five. I'm sorry, the five spot. I think they're they're right there in that five spot. Boston six, Philadelphia's five, Atlanta four. I'd say Milwaukee three. Yeah, Brooklyn two, and I'd say Miami one. Yeah, well, we'll 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 get to Miami and and Atlanta in a second. I just want to finish up with Philadelphia again. We talked about that same chemistry that Philadelphia had last year that helped them get the number one seed Ben Simmons. This whole Ben Simmons situation is dragging that franchise down. And doc, doc is on PR mode with that team right now. He is sitting there saying, guys, I'm sorry that Ben is having a fit. Don't kill him when he gets here. Cause he, you know, is the one thing you do in a guy for a guy like Ben Simmons right now, who has this situation that he's upset. You start saying, Hey Ben, you know that money, that check you get every, yeah. at the end of every week, that ain't coming. If you don't get here, Yeah. You know, well, so, baby. Yeah, so you should have handled that long ago. I don't understand waiting until training camp is on us. Some of you know, there's a lot of people running teams, and you just scratch your head and go, "How did how did you not see this coming in June, when you could have been working the phones and doing something about this even on draft day?" And instead, you wait until the season is. We knew there were problems there. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid didn't get along last year. Did you think that was going to magically heal itself? I don't understand waiting until this point to where it's just this horrible situation. Gut reaction. I asked this question off the top of your head. Ben Simmons play a game for the Sixers this year? I think he does. I think he wants to play in. I don't – unless – <laughs> do you, you think in John Wall? I, I just, I don't, I think you get murdered. You Kyrie. All in the deal. John Wall plays 20 games, gets hurt, done for the season. You're, and then you're maybe not even, you're not a home court. Maybe you're a seventh or eighth. I can't see them missing the playoffs unless Joel Embiid gets hurt too, which we know that could happen. Maybe yeah, the, all together. Boy, that would be. Joel Embiid is allergic to a full schedule. It's it's just what it is what it comes down to. Uh, I, I I maybe maybe Ben Simmons. You talk to Brooklyn about sending Ben Simmons for Kyrie. Do you want it? Well, <laughs> it, it, boy, does that boy does that does that stir up a conversation? Brooklyn would love that. Like, who wants to? Oh. Both have you know Brooklyn's tried their best to get rid of Kyrie and nobody wants that headache so uh, listen they they called the G League and nobody wanted to trade for him i, <laughs> I listen I, I with that being said i think philly slips into that five spot uh let's go to the four and look at let's look that that Atlanta Hawk team if they were in the uh, western conference they'd be a top 3 team top 2 team but Trey Young i think Trey Nate McMillan really has to work with Trey on shot selection and the timing of some of the shots. Like just because Damian Lillard can pull up from a 25 footer, 30 footer, shoot it and makes it look that easy. doesn't mean that Trey Young should have the green light either. Trey Young needs to start making his teammates better. And I don't mean the team rallying around him when they, he plays Allen Iverson type of basketball. He needs to have trust in his teammates 
and pick up the and pick up the slack. Look, as a player in my mind, Jason Kidd, John Stockton, those are the types of point guards you want to play with because they're not worried about scoring. They're worried about getting everybody involved. They're the coach on the floor. In my mind, Trey Young has to adopt that mindset and become the best point guard in the NBA because he has all the ability to do it. He does, though in the modern NBA, John Stockton and uh, Jason Kidd did not play in an NBA where the point guard was the primary focus of the offense league-wide. And uh, that is what the situation is now. So Trey Young has that perspective that he's coming from. But yeah, we're at that point where now you're not the rookie anymore. You're not the sophomore. You're you're getting into the more middle of your career. And it's, again, your next step. You Man, you put up great numbers. The team really excelled last season. You had remarkable stat lines. Now you have to take the next step, as you're saying, Shot selection is super key and understanding the best places to find your guys. Um, not just when you can't shoot the ball. My, the worst kind of assist, I, I just call it a James Harden assist. I'll pass the ball or a Steve Francis assist. If I physically cannot get the ball in the trajectory of the basket, I will look for a teammate. But only then. Wow, James Harden had 10 assists. Yeah. Well, it wasn't Jason Kidd 10 assists. There's a difference. But Trey Young has to, for the rest of the team to emerge around him, and it has to be the whole team, you're right. Shot selection is huge. Opportunistic shooting, uh, understanding the shot clock, managing the shot clock, taking a questionable shot with more than 10 seconds on the shot clock, not a good idea. Those are the, the nuances. And, hey, Nate McMillan is a master of this. He's taught it to multiple teams that were very, very good. I thoroughly believe that Nate McMillan will have been working on that with Trey Young for the past three months. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. If 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 Nate hasn't talked to Trey since they got eliminated to uh, till the beginning of camp, I'd be shocked. Yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked. And and last team here we have not really discussed yet. I know we said um, Atlanta's four. We're talk, We've talked about the Bucks. We both feel that the Bucks are the number three seed here. Um, Brooklyn is number two, and then we have not really talked about the Miami Heat. Uh, Pat Riley is at it again. Uh, Pat Riley is sitting there, takes a year or two off, and he says, all right, let me just shake the NBA up to its core. He already has an NBA Finals appearance under his belt with Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, Bam, and that crew. So what we're going to do is we're going to add a defensive edge to him. Andre Iguodala didn't work out. So P.J. Tucker is the guy we're going to bring in here to put the defense edge on him. Oh, and we're going to bring in former all-star Kyle Lowry into the mix to run the point guard to take the pressure off of Jimmy Butler. Uh, if if Eric Spolstra, who is a great head coach, who does not get the credit for him, for the job he does, because he is that good, can put this thing together, manage the egos, man, watch out, because the Heat, the Heat and the Nets are going to probably duke it out in the conference finals. They absolutely are, and it's going to be one for the ages um, because what is Miami missing? They have depth. They have veterans. They have youth. They have it inside. They have shooting. They have mid-range. They have veteran role players, key, P.J. Tucker especially, key veteran role players. These are all the things. To win a championship, you need all of those things, inside game, outside game, youthful energy, veteran, uh, all-star, 
and veteran role players who know their role are happy with their role. And the Miami Heat now have every one of those things, every ingredient you need. It's very difficult to see them not in the NBA Finals, barring, as always with any team, barring a significant injury. Yeah, and one thing that you just mentioned that the Heat have that the Brooklyn Nets do not have is the intangible players. Guys like the Tyler Hero, guys like the Duncan Robinsons, guys who are able to come off the bench and contribute. Udonis Haslam is back for his 333rd season. It's amazing. But like all joking aside, Pat Riley finally did have to retire. They needed another really old guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it to me it's it's amazing on how like they're just gonna wheel him out now. He signed another contract at the age of sixty-seven. There he is. You done as Haslam. Um no, like one of the things that he's able to bring to this team is a guy who has been there, who's contributed to a winning team before, who can help get these guys to understand. They're two seasons removed from playing in the NBA finals. And yes, it was in the bubble with no fans, but they were still in the NBA finals. Yep. And Jimmy Butler was not Jimmy Butler last season. Nope. So very, very interested to see on how they shape up. So, Bill, I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me the order of the six that you see on the screen. What do we got? I got Miami number one. I think they hit the ground running. I don't think they look back. Uh, Butler doesn't have to be Jimmy Butler that averages 25 points a game. Now he's got help, and that's only going to uh, help him to maintain his level of play for an entire season. Then. It's hard. I mean, Brooklyn, at the end of the day, whatever happens with Kyrie, you have Kevin Durant, and then you have James Harden. Now, granted, James doesn't play a lot of defense, but when you have those two guys on the offensive end, any shortcoming on the defensive end can be accommodated. Then you have Milwaukee. That championship heart will be there. Uh, you know, their, their key is development on the part of Giannis Antetokounmpo, but if he comes out as the player we saw in the finals, he's – freaking MVP. He's a beast. Yeah. Uh, maybe not enough help, but he's an MVP. He's got two guys instead of one other all-star. He's got two helpful guys that are going to take turns being that next guy. Then, boy, if something productive happens with Ben Simmons, either he shows up and plays all-star defense or you wind up getting a good deal for him then it's Philly because you have the best big man in the East in Joel Embiid. He can do so many things and does them well. Uh, and I think they've got still a good team around him uh, with role players and solid guys will step up. Then it's, I'm going to go Bo Atlanta next. I think Atlanta's better than Boston. Um, I think, it'll, I think you're talking a one or two game difference in the standings at the, you know, the West has been that way for years, losing one extra game in November costs you a full seeding point in uh june or, or may or april um so i think atlanta's next i don't think it's by much but i do think atlanta's next and then uh al horford will be an improvement for boston give him some strength and some areas where they've been weak but the rest of those guys have just they're just better -er than boston is I, I can't argue too much with your order um I'm going to go Miami one, Brooklyn two. I'm actually going to switch it up and put Atlanta three just because I think if Nate can get those guys together uh, and they, for, for all you need is a couple runs during the regular season of a couple of good streaks to put you in a good position. I think Atlanta can sort of shock the world here, put, th put themselves at three. And I think Milwaukee 
because of the championship run will give themselves a little bit of a leeway to rest guys and, and want to save them for the playoffs. So maybe Milwaukee falls to the four spot. I'm putting Philly at five. I I just think there's just too much drama there. You know what? You can even make make an argument that if the drama gets out of hand, Boston can slip up, steal up the number five and put Philly at six. And then we didn't really talk about it. The bottom half of the Eastern Conference. Give me the four teams for the well. One of these teams will be a, a play-in team at the sixth spot. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're picking Philadelphia or Boston six. Who are, in your opinion, the other three teams for the playing spots? Well, I think Chicago and Charlotte. I don't. I don't think there's, any, there's no question. Uh, those guys. Chicago has vastly improved the roster. Um, and Charlotte, you've got another high pick in there. They they looked pretty good, you know, already towards the end of last season. Um, hard. I I can't see them missing at least the bubble. I, I think they're going to be, you know, right there. After that. Is it Toronto? Is it? It's not Orlando. It's not New York. New York. I don't think. Uh, so you don't think the moves that New York made, bringing in Kemba, resigning Julius Randle, um, bringing back their the guys they had last year, they it was a good story for them. They were this. They were the succeed. You know they. Yep, but like we've talked about, I don't remember if it was on the air or off. They're not surprising anybody. How do you handle it now that the league is planning for you? Um, you know, and I, I love Kimball Walker. He's a, he's a true point guard. He's not an, he's not an elite point guard, but he's a true point guard. And on a team that had every power forward in the league before, you're going to have a playmaker who can help set some of those guys up. But again, did they improve as much as some other teams? There are a lot of other teams in the East who improved more than the Knicks. The Knicks improved. Yes, they're going to be better, but there are other teams that are better -er than New York. Well, they are one of the few teams who went out of their way to stay put. Yeah. The the Knicks and Dallas went out of their way to stay put. The Phoenix Uh, Suns. Huge mistake on both of their parts. The Phoenix Phoenix Suns, the Phoenix Suns were a team that went out of their way to stay put by bringing back Chris Ball. So there's there's quite a few teams that just sort of stayed put. And it didn't help them. Phoenix Net- back to the finals, and Dallas maybe doesn't make the playoffs, and and the Knicks. It's hard to see them not at least making the bubble because there aren't enough good teams in the East. But the top teams are so good, it's going to be tough for them. All right, real quick, let's go quickly around the league news and notes around the NBA, courtesy of ESPN.com. <laughs> All right, so you let me know if this is something or nothing that ESPN is reporting. Uh, Bradley Beal said he does not feel the pressure of being vaccinated. Um, I think this vaccination story, the NBA is going to have to address it. Their star players are speaking out. Bill, is this something or nothing to worry about? I think it's something as much as it's something for the entire country. Um, It's unfortunate that we've become a people who feel that science and opinion have equal standing. Um, It's unfortunate that we have medical experts. There are many in my family, doctors, nurses, uh, you know, research scientists in my family. There's no doubt we're all vaccinated. The science is clear, but we live in a society that's decided that a a host of an entertainment show can tell you it's better to get a horse vaccine than an actual COVID vaccine. And now veterinarians can't get that for their horses. Horse owners can't get it because humans are taking it as a treatment for COVID. We, We just live in a very stupid society. 
I would hate if I'm the NBA, you, you can't, I'm sorry, Bradley Beal, do you want to get your next check? Because if you do go get the, it's free. God damn it. Go get the free vaccine. It's on every street corner. Hell, every grocery store, every CVS, every Walgreens, every whatever you have in your city. It's just walk in and say that one, please. You've got it. You're safe. Do it. Do it. Because I, even if you don't want to do it for yourself, you you get it. You give it to your teammates. You give it. To, then you've got whole teams missing games. You it's come on, come on. Yeah, yeah. And same that same conversation can happen with Kyrie and Andrew Wiggins. Yep. Next, go ahead. Sorry. No, so that's something. That's a huge. That's we're past that now get vaccinated and let's move on until everybody's vaccinated. We're still doing the masks and we're still doing social media, limiting, limiting this. Please just get vaccinated. Be smart. Next topic. Uh, Jason Kidd speaking out during Mavs media day in the first couple of days of practice that Luka Doncic has to have trust in his teammates. Is this something or nothing? It's not anything. <laughs> And you should wear sunscreen when it's 110 degrees outside. This, well, this is the obvious, but <laughs> Luka Doncic can score on anybody, anytime, any day. Unfortunately, his teammates are in the habit of standing around watching him do that. It'd be a really great idea for him to, especially, you know, I, I said, you know, in Remember the Titans, how Denzel Washington mixed all the, the black kids and the white kids up and you're going to room with each other until you get along. I thought you should do that with KP and Luca. Look, the two of you got to figure it out because you're here and this team ain't doing nothing if you can't work together. So you're rooming together on the road. You're sleeping together. You're in the same damn bed. When you're home, you're staying in a hotel room together until you figure it out. Luca has to make his teammates better. He's amazing. He's incredible. Like Trey Young, there's another step for Luca to take. And once he takes it, good Lord, the kid is amazing. I, I can't agree with you more. Uh, this is one of those situations where Luca, you're, you're the best player in the NBA, but you have to find a way to make everybody else around you better. Yep. Uh, Individuals next. don't win championships. They just Agreed. don't. Kobe didn't. Jordan didn't. Hakeem didn't. Bird, Matt, none of them did it alone. Not one. I can't wait to hear your, your opinion on this one. Michael Porter Jr. gets a, a max contract for Denver. They'll have a team that they're gonna have a team that has three max players on it, and they're not even really that good. Is, it, is this nope. something or something or nothing? And your reaction to the e contract? This is what happens. Uh, how many max players are there in the league who are not Batman? If you are not Batman, you should not have a max contract. That's my feeling. Now. Living in Dallas, lifelong fan of the Houston Rockets, the, you have cities that are not destinations for free agents. And so the only way you keep your players, even not amazing players, but just really good players, the only way you keep them is to overpay them. And it's unfortunate. That's what Denver has done. They're in a situation where nobody's talking about, oh, I want to go play with Nikola Jokic. Now, why? I don't know the guys who... An incredible playmaker, passer. He's everything you'd want to play with. People don't want to play in Denver for what for whatever reason. I don't know. They don't want to play there. So the only way you still have a team, even a good team, is once you have somebody, you got to keep them. And the Lakers are always waiting to go even more into luxury tax to sign somebody else. So 
I understand why they did it. I hate it. I, I hate that that's the way the NBA is. I hate that you have to max out good but not great players to keep a team. But what's Denver if he leaves? Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, I think that I think at the end of the day, and I really, really mean this to Jokic and, and, and the rest of the Denver the Denver Nuggets crew, they're a team that I don't see them getting to another level with that core unit. Um, oh, I think they're not I think that, in conference. Five. How many games is Jamal Murray? And you don't have a point guard, a, a, you know, your star starting point guard. Yeah. It, it doesn't work. It, it does. It hasn't worked. They haven't been able to get to the, to the next level. The way this Denver team is constructed now, they're not set up for success. They overpaid Aaron Gordon too. Yep. And Aaron yep. Gordon, I'm not going to say he wasn't an impact player. He made an impact, but he made an impact as a, he's not Batman or Robin. He's a wonder twin, like form of water. Like, great. You need the water, but how much money is that? Okay. All right. Well, you're, this is the last one. You're going to like this one. Steve Kerr said that Clay looked great in the Warriors' first practice today. I know you always have a lot to say about the Golden State Warriors and our friend uh, Steve Kerr over there. Mm-hmm. Watch out, fans. If, if you're a fan of the Golden State Warriors, this is the year where they label Warriors' revenge. Well, and you would think the only thing, yes, Steve Kerr, I got to know him well as a player, then as a general manager, coach, He's done it all. Uh, a TNT analyst. Um, always love Steve. We have a lot of things in common besides basketball, politically, many things in common. Great guy, great leader. Really has learned a lot from playing for Greg Popovich and Phil Jackson. Um, he doesn't say things that aren't true. Clay Thompson can look amazing. Can he play? Can he run up and down the court? Can he do it for 100 games? <laughs> How many games are we playing this year? Plus, the 16 you need to win the championship. If you are counting out the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry almost carried them into the playoffs by himself last year. Literally. If Klay Thompson is a third, a half of what he was, revenge of the Warriors. You're absolutely right. That's great that the Lakers bought every free agent they could buy. If Klay Thompson is healthy and Andrew Wiggins continues to find himself in that third role, and Steph is just Steph. That's all. That's all he needs to do. Is just, I'll oh, put all. He's in the finals. Yeah, and that's something too, by the way. Uh, guys, we will be back we this up. <laughs> we we will be back this Thursday <laughs> for another episode of the Hardwood Huddle. Stay tuned. Follow us on BacksportsPage.com and on all our social media networks. Here live, we got the live feed working again on the hardwood huddle. Got the kinks. We, Great, that's yeah, what we're in campus for, after all. Well, listen, we are we are now in off. We are now in mid-season yeah. mode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for Bill, let's let everybody know where they can find you. I am on Twitter at the Rocket Guy. When I write about the NBA, it's at backsportspage.com. The easiest place to find me is right here on the Hardwood Huddle. Uh, and then my personal blog is ishmaelslegacy.com. You can find me at backsportspage.com. Randy BSP on Instagram and Twitter 
I'm on Facebook and I think I think I'm everywhere on social media, but you can just find me here. Hardwood huddle. Uh, man, I, I don't even know how many podcasts I'm producing, hosting part of, and, but, but Hey, I'm everywhere, but that's cool for, uh, for Bill Ingram. I'm Randy Zelia. This has been the hardwood huddle. We'll see you next time here in the huddle.